Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You gotta understand something here. This music is the glue of the world. It holds it all together. Without this, life would be meaningless. so crazy about it's just music welcome to sound opinions from chicago public radio and american public media i'm jim DeRogatis, the pop music critic at the chicago sun times and i'm greg cott i write about rock and roll for the chicago tribune this week, Jim and I are going to present our annual mixtape for your year-end parties. We've picked out our favorite songs of the year to give you a soundtrack to usher in 2008. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and now it's time to welcome our newest affiliate. You killed your European son. You spit on those under 21. But now your blue cars are gone, you better sit so long, hey, hey, bye-bye-bye. Greg, that is one of the best destructive rock and roll songs of all time, European Sun by the Velvet Underground. We are playing them to welcome on board WRVO in Oswego, New York. Why? Because they serve all of central New York, including Syracuse. Syracuse University, of Bravo. course. Well, Syracuse is famous as the town of your birth, I yeah. know. But also, uh, Syracuse University was the home of uh, Lou Reed and Sterling Morrison when they put together the Velvet Underground. That's what brought them together. European Sun on that first Velvets album was dedicated to a professor at Syracuse University, to Delmore Schwartz, Lou Reed wrote. He loved him. He was a grouchy old alcoholic poet, was uh, Reed's mentor. It seemed fitting, given the Syracuse University connection with the poet and with the Velvets. And, I mean, they're only the best rock band ever, most influential group in rock history, Absolutely. Uh, to touch on them. Reed revisited his days in Syracuse later on in 1982 on the great solo album, The Blue Mask, in a song called My House, where he imagined his house being haunted by the ghost of Delmore Schwartz. <laughs> Welcome on board, upstate New York. Uh, you produced Greg Cott, but we won't hold that against you. <laughs> Thanks for Aaron Sound Opinions. Here's a little at Lou Reed song. My friend and teacher occupies a spare room. He's dead at peace at last, the wandering Jew. Other friends had put stones on his grave. He was the first great man that I had ever met Sylvie and I got out our Ouija board To dial the spirit across the room it soared Hey 
Ike and Tina Turner, of course, doing Creedence Clearwater Revival's Proud Mary. I think doing the definitive version of that song. Absolutely. Why are we playing it? Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Ike Turner uh, died. And we're bringing up Ike because I-, I think even though this is not new news exactly, Jim, to not mention Ike Turner on Sound Opinions, the world's only rock and roll talk show, would be, uh, would be a great failing on our part. Ike Turner is one of the founding fathers of rock and roll. A lot of people remember this guy or know of this guy because he was depicted as this villainous scoundrel yeah. in the 1993 Tina Turner biopic, What's Love Got to Do With It? Basically, a wife beater. He abused Tina Turner. That marriage ended in a, in a bloody way, in an ugly way, when she finally walked out on him in the mid-70s. And a lot of people associate Ike Turner with that movie and with well, that image of him as, as, as a scoundrel. And it must be said he did not deny that. You know, he told the New York Times, I got a temper. <laughs> This is 1999. He maintained, however, that the film overstated his villainy. Yeah, he did. And, you know, that may well be true. It was based on her autobiography. He never really got a chance to to tell his side of the story. He finally put out an autobiography in the late 90s where he uh, rebutted a lot of those assertions by Tina. Uh, Nonetheless, there was no movie made of his autobiography. And to this day, to his dying day, literally, that is perhaps what Ike Turner is most remembered for. But we need to remember this, Jim, that this guy, before he met Tina Turner, was already one of the great figures in rock and roll. Arguably, even before Tina Turner came into his life, he would have been a rock and roll Hall of Famer. He would have been one of the all-time greats. Well, you know, Greg, his life would have made a fascinating biopic. He was born in Clarksdale, Mississippi in 1931, Isaiah Luster Turner. His father was beaten to death yeah. by a group of whites. I mean, growing up in that kind of environment, he learned boogie-woogie piano at the hands of Pine Top Perkins, right. and he learned guitar and brought the whammy bar into rock and roll as one of the key people, later playing sessions with the likes of Howlin' Wolf, Elmore James, Otis Rush, Buddy Guy, Sonny Boy Williamson. This guy was a giant, just as a sideman, and then to have started two classic bands, I mean, that's even, you know, it's beyond belief. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Rolling Stones recognize the genius of this guy. They brought him on their 1969 tour with, with Tina. People will remember that as the tour that ended up with... The the, the tragedy at Altamont, but meanwhile, Ike and Tina Turner were opening a lot of those shows and blowing people's minds. I mean, a lot of people said they were blowing the stones off the stage, and Mick Jagger borrowed a lot of his moves from watching Tina move on stage, and the Rolling Stones borrowed a lot of their rhythms and a lot of their ideas about rock and roll from listening to those early Memphis sessions that Ike Turner was doing in the 50s with Sam Phillips. Yeah. People forget, he stepped into Sun Studios with Sam Phillips three years before Elvis Presley got there. There are people who say that Ike Turner invented rock and roll. And it goes to the larger issue here, Jim. A lot of despicable people, a lot of people who did bad things in their life made incredible art. I mean, we're looking yeah. right now at, at Phil Spector being put up on trial for allegedly murdering a, a young woman. That ended in a mistrial. You know, there are things coming out in that trial about Phil Spector. They're not so nice. I mean, not a nice man necessarily. Made great art. Yeah. Look at look at the history of people like Jerry Lee Lewis and, and Chuck Berry, two important figures in rock and roll who had a lot of problems with the law, had problems with underage women, not nice people maybe necessarily, but also made great art. The Marvin separation- Gaye, James Brown, it goes on and on and Absolutely. on. Absolutely. And where do you draw the line? Where do you separate the art from the person? In a lot of cases with Ike Turner, a lot of people weren't able to do that. All they talked about 
Ike Turner, you know, abused his wife, and that's the end of it. I don't want to hear any more of it. But there's the other side of this guy where he made this great art that uh, changed history in a lot of ways. Well, absolutely. And the art endures and will endure long after the man and whatever evil things he may have done in his life is gone. Before the Ike and Tina Turner review, he was in a band called the Kings of Rhythm. As you said, they went into Sun Studio. It was 1951. Scholars of rock and roll, and I think most convincingly the great Nick Tosh's, point to this recording, Rocket 88, whose actual authorship is still very much in dispute. One of these songs that like 50 people claim to have written. But Tosh's and many other people say that this 1951 recording is the birth of rock and roll. The elements of country and rhythm and blues and swing and all this hodgepodge ingredients that went together to start a new music called rock and roll. could have been born here, and it was Ike Turner who gave it to us. Why don't we uh, pay tribute to him, Greg, with this song? I mean, there's no other way. Absolutely, Jim. This record didn't even come out under Ike Turner's name. You know, it was the Ike, Ike Turner and the Kings of Rhythm who recorded yeah. the song, but the guy who sang it, Jackie Brenston, was given the credit on the record, and a lot of people credit him with writing the song. I don't think that was possible. It was Ike Turner's band. It was probably Ike Turner's choice to have Jackie Brenston sing on it. Ike Turner was arranging a lot of these sessions at the time for Sam Phillips. I, he was a key member of the studio. He definitely played piano on it. There's some dispute about whether or not he played that distorted electric guitar on it, but that was his sound, and Sam Phillips nailed it. This is Ike Turner and his Kings of Rhythm on Rocket 88 on Sound Opinions. You women have heard of jalopies, you've heard the noise they make, but let me reintroduce my new Rocket 88. Yes, it's straight, just one way. Everybody likes my Rocket 88. Baby, we'll ride in style, moving all along. Smart and designed, black convertible top, and the gals don't mind. Sporting with me, riding all around town for joy. Blow your horn, Raymond, blow! My rocket and don't be late, baby. We are pulling out about half past eight. Going round the corner and get a bill. Everybody in my car's gonna take a little nip. Move on out, oozing and cruising along.
You're listening to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. No moping around, Mary J. Blige is singing on that song just fine from her new album called Growing Pains. It's it's strange to hear Mary J. Blige singing those words, yeah, Jim, sure because uh, she's one of those singers who has not necessarily been moping around for 15 years, but certainly singing about what a rough life she has had and built a, an incredible career out of it. Uh, she's won six Grammy Awards, sold 40 million records. Right now, she's probably the most notable female singer in R&B, and one of the great singers that we have of our time. Her eighth album is called Growing Pains, and it assesses the state of her life, just like her previous seven albums have done. One of the things that has made Mary Blige such an important figure in R&B is the fact that she is so honest and sincere on on her records. There is no holding back. The emotions are right there out front, And whether she's going to miss a note or make a note, it doesn't matter. It's more about the urgency and the emotion in that voice that has made her such an icon to her fans. She grew up the hard way. Yonkers, New York, uh, in the projects, got signed to a record deal in her late teens, ended up making some really important uh, records in the early 90s with Puff Daddy. I think the Mm -hmm. best work that Puff Daddy ever did was uh, the production he did on those early Mary J. Blige records in the early 90s, created this hip-hop soul sound, a merger of soul music and R&B, classic R&B that uh, Mary J. Blige grew up with in her household, uh, listening to uh, singers like Marvin Gaye and Stevie Wonder, and merging it with the sounds of the street, the hip-hop that was... uh, bubbling up in New York City in the late 80s and early 90s and created a new sound uh, that has carried Mary J. Blige for 15 years. She's got a lot going on in her life, as she always does. She's found happiness, but does that mean she's happy? We're going to find out in a second as we talk about her new record, Growing Pains. Let's hear a track from it, though, and I think it kind of expresses where she's at right now in her life. It's called Roses. It's from Mary J. Blige on Sound of Pains. I've had my way share of ups and downs I've been in trouble and I couldn't tell my ups from downs
just want to really, really, really push all my buttons. That is a song called Roses from the eighth album by Mary J. Blige, Growing Pains on Sound Opinions. Greg, to me, that song is vintage Mary J. <laughs> you have that rhythm that sounds like, the, disturbingly like, the clicking of a, of a revolver in a gun. You know, mm-hmm. the chamber is going around. And uh, life ain't all roses, she's saying to a lover. It ain't all candy. This love stuff is demanding. And you're wondering if she's going to shoot the SOB. <laughs> you know what I mean? That is Mary J. at her very best. Unfortunately, how can you feel sorry for the woman? I'm glad she's happy. She's been happy more or less since 2003 when she married producer Kendu Isaacs. The last three albums have lost some of the edge where she was in these turbulent relationships and battling, uh, you know, the the lure of drugs and and all the evil forces in the world. I mean, this woman has lived, you know, (laughs) and and that's why people relate to her. She's like a real world Oprah. When she gives you advice, you better believe it because she's Mm -hmm. got the scars and the bruises and the lost teeth to prove. <laughs> um, that song Just Fine that we, we bumped with is unusually upbeat. It's sunny. It's a sunny Mary J. Blige. Mm-hmm. You know, elsewhere she's doing a jazz thing on that song Shakedown, which is a duet with Usher. She's doing like Annie Lennox over this song that's like sort of Coldplay called Smoke. doesn't sound like there's much Mary J. Blige on this Mary J. Blige record, and for that reason, it's just kind of sterile and lacks that emotion and that urgency you were talking about. It's a it's a burn-it record at best for me. You know, I disagree, Jim. I, I think, you know, I was worried about the happy Mary, and could she get back to that place that was so riveting uh, in the 90s? I mean, there was a lot of pain and anguish, but she was, she was funneling that trauma into great art. And I think some of that edge, yes, I would agree with you. The last couple albums were a little softer edge, but I think when she gets back into that ballad mode on this record, the first few tracks are sort of up-tempo and uncharacteristic, and you go, wow, she's really buoyant and exuberant, and, you know, this is almost throwaway Mary J. Blige. The happy Mary is is making very surface kind of R&B right now. But that track, Roses, and and basically the last half of the record, I think she's really digging into this long-term relationship, and can it last? I think now the new tension in her life is not so much about finding love and finding stability, but can you make it last once you've found it? You know, once the first glow of finding those things wears off, where is the stability, where is the durability that's going to last over a lifetime? And I think that's where she finds the tension. I, I, I think as a ballad singer, she has no peer. I mean, she digs into these songs in a way that I think is just fascinating. You know, she used to split a lot of notes. She used to miss notes. I think her singing has gotten a lot better, and maybe that's what you're worried about here. Is it just a little too smooth? She's singing so well. It is very smooth, and I don't like the production either. I would not tell her that to her face, (laughs) you know, that I said burn it on the Sound Opinions patented scale of buy it, burn it, trash it. It sounds like you're going for a buy it. I'm in a buy it mode on Growing Pains. I think uh, Mary J. Blige has got it all back. I think uh, for a singer who's 15 years into her career, she's made another landmark record for her, and I think it's a I think it's definitely a buy it. All right. Well, coming up on Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media, Greg and I will unveil our mixtapes for 2007.
Welcome back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott, and that is the one and only Art Brute in a song called Pump Up the Volume, which, Mr. Cott, is the name of my 2007 mixtape. It's a messed up mixtape, 18 songs I loved in no particular order and with no rhyme or reason, and it's called Pump Up the Volume. Before we get much further into that, please tell us, what is a mixtape? Jim, it's a group of songs that are arranged to reflect some kind of an emotion or a year or, or a feeling by the person who's compiling it. You know, it, it's so subjective. Each person will have their own definition of what a mixtape is. Each person will have a different idea of what songs belong on that mixtape, and that's the beauty of it, because I think it's a reflection of the person making the mixtape as much as it is the songs that are included on it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know you are very, very serious about this. And the reason we added this to uh, Sound Opinions is because you are, I mean, it, it's basically a religion with you, <laughs> the, 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 the mixtape phenomenon. Now, I've made mixtapes myself going back to my college days. And for me, it's always been me taking my favorite albums of the year, and in some cases, albums that only had one or two great songs, mm-hmm. and putting those songs all together. And the very act of culling through these 50 or 60 tracks kind of satiates my urge. And then I don't listen to it again for five or six years. Now when I go back and hear like a mixtape from 1986, it's like, Dinosaur Jr., yeah! I'm really psyched. But but you you have these grand concepts and these themes and you work it. And you actually make this thing and give it to friends. Yeah, you know, I'm not very good at holiday cards, but I am really good at (laughs) holiday mixtapes. I've never gotten a Christmas card from you. I sent it to a, a few friends who would be interested in what I have to say about or think about music that year, and occasionally I'll get some back from them. But this is my way of communicating with my friends. This music meant something to me this year in this particular order. Well, you're going to go on at great length about the concepts behind your mixtape. <laughs> I don't really have concepts behind mine other than the fact that this is a bunch of songs I loved, and I didn't necessarily get to talk about them last week when we did the best of 2007. I, I do have one stretch that I was proud of that I'm not going to play, which is kind of my different ages of perverted rock fans stretch. <laughs> I, I put Neil Young's Dirty Old Man before Tori Amos's Big Wheel, you know, the song with the M-I-L-S. Right. And then the Arctic Monkeys, Fluorescent Adolescent. That was mm-hmm. a nice little conceptual. <laughs> Otherwise, these are just songs I liked and we never got to talk about. I will say that these three are connected in, in one conceptual way, in that we've spent a lot of time in 2007 thoroughly berating groups that have kind of used these rather tawdry new ways of making themselves known. And by that, I mean selling out to commercials, mm-hmm. okay? We saw it again and again. We ranted about it on the show. That having been said, there are certain songs that every time they come on really make me smile, and they are they are mortgaged up the wazoo, and yet I love them. So you're going to hear from me a central portion with three songs in that ilk. Flight of the Concords, who aren't really sold out. They had a great show on HBO. You are always behind on your television viewing. <laughs> I told you you have to watch this show. These two guys from New Zealand who build themselves as formerly New Zealand's fourth most popular guitar-based digibongo acapella rap funk comedy folk duo. They're going to put out their debut album in 2008 on Sub Pop. They are really funny. And this track, Hip Hopopotamus versus Rhymnoceros, it kills me. I swear to God, I, I, I <laughs> melt every time I hear it. That goes into a song called Operator Please by uh, a band of 17-year-old high school kids from Queensland, Australia, that I first heard about on the Sound Opinions message board. They hated this band for some reason saying it was contrived and shticky, but this song, Just a Song About Ping Pong, which is from this group's debut album, had this really funny 70s new wave video spoof, and it was these 
kids singing this goofy, like synth-driven song. I don't. I, I loved it. I, I loved it. It's absolute utter crud. You know, this is this is junk food, no doubt about it. But I loved it every time I hear it. I still love it. And the last song in that troika is uh, by a group from New York called Care Bears on Fire. Have you seen that Converse sneaker commercial where the 13-year-old girl is sitting there playing her guitar and she's singing about how I'm not like everybody else? It just, it just, it brings a tear to my eyes. This little punk girl really? who's nonconformist singing for Converse in a gym shoe commercial. Jim, come on! Well, and you know what kills me? I was talking to a friend of mine in advertising. Converse, the punk rock sneaker, right, yeah. is now owned by Nike. Yeah, it's it just kills wrong. me. But anyway, these kids are great, and their band is named Care Bears on Fire. <laughs> How can you not like that? Before that, I'm going to play one song to set that up. It's Alicia Keys' No One. You think I'm crazy for liking this album. I don't love the whole album. I don't listen to the whole album. But this song, which I'm hearing on TV like six times a week, which is coming out of car radios, this song absolutely slays me. And for one reason, there's that big bass synthesizer. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's an old Moog or something. It's certainly trying to sound like an analog 70s synth, which powers the hook. And it just sounds like an elephant passing gas. (laughs) And it's one of the weirdest and most twisted sounds I have ever heard on a mega popular platinum hit, right? It just kills me. It makes me smile every time I hear it. So my mixtape is really stupid, but all these things make me smile, and maybe you'll like them too. I just want you
It's the, um, the hip hippopotamus versus the rhinoceros, um, featuring the hip hippopotamus and the rhinoceros. I got flows that glow like phosphorus Popping off the top of this esophagus I'm not a water-dwelling mammal from Africa That's moved to the metropolis And been taught how to break dance Where did you get that preposterous hypothesis? Did Steve tell you that? What's he got to do with it? What kind of rapping name is Steve? Steve Other rappers diss me Say my rhymes are sissy what why 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 Freestyle, hip hop, a part of a style. I'm freestyling, just saying what comes into the top of my head, like it's just random, random. Um, ooh. There's a picture of New York, there's a picture of New York, there's a big fat crazy picture of New York. I'm just free, New York, freestyling the, the picture of New York, freestyling. Sometimes when I freestyle, I lose confidence. My rhymes are so potent that in the small segment I made all of the ladies in the first two rows pregnant. Yeah, that's right. Sometimes my lyrics are sexist, but you lovely bitches and hoes should know I'm trying to correct this. <laughs> when I say ooh, all the ladies go ah, ooh, ooh. When I go ooh, all the fellas go or or ooh, ooh. We keep it real sexy, fellas. Ooh, ooh. That's my dogs. When I go ooh, all the ladies go ooh. You're so big. Ooh. Wow, thank you. Wow. It's just a song. It's just a song. It's just a song. It's just a song. It's just a song about people. Say money out of money out of here today. I got another 50 seconds and I'm ready to play. I got my got my got my got my record in hand. Now give me a little bit of the 
make you understand with a dirty, 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 dirty look in your face. I bet you know beef jerky has an aftertaste. Go! That is the first half of my mixtape on Sound Opinions. When we come back after this break, we're going to have your much more measured and serious and well-considered mixtape. But if people want to get the track listings for both of our mixtapes, that's up at soundopinions.org.
Welcome back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media. I'm Greg Cott. He's Jim DeRigatis, and we're uh, going through our mixtapes for 2007, some of our favorite songs lovingly compiled into a sequence. And now it's my turn. That is a song that is a centerpiece of my 2007 mixtape. It's uh, LCD Sound Systems, All My Friends. I've been preaching to the choir here at Sound Opinions for months and months, saying, this is the song of the year. This is the best song ever done. This, is, this may be the, the best song of the last... <laughs> five years this thing hit me like a brick when this record came out and i have not lost any zest for it ever since the key lines for me was you spent the first five years trying to get with the plan and the next five years trying to be with your friends again and i'm going that's it that's that's the story of a lot of people's lives right there we spend so much time making plans that we don't appreciate the moment we're in and then we realize what just happened the last five years? I was so busy planning for the future that I forgot to appreciate the moment that I was in at that moment. That's very Mitch Albom of you or Yeah, something, I right? mean, it was, I don't know, I mean, James Murphy, whatever, maybe we're about the same age. I, I, we, we sort of, you know, feel the same things or whatever, but it's a, it's a classic feeling that I think you get after you've been on this planet for a while and you start to appreciate maybe what you have lost along the way by not appreciating the moment you're in. So I built a mixtape around that concept with 17 songs that happen to be some of my favorites of the year. And I'm going to start at the beginning, the first three, four songs of the mixtape, which basically talk about this notion of, yes, I do want to get out and I do want to you know, move on. And I have this ambition of getting, getting out. Anywhere else is fine. It's just better than where you are right now. So these songs sort of talk about that. The Shin's Phantom Limb opens up my mixtape. And that's basically a song uh, about two girls who are fed up with, their, with the town that they're in and they want to get out. Segways into Arcade Fire's No Cars Go, which I think is their answer to Springsteen's Born to Run. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, 30 years later, here, here is a, another version of that song. Peter Bjorn and John's Objects of My Affection follows it up. And this is a brief moment of, re- of reflection here, where they do say, you know, the moment right now is the best moment. And then it segues into Common's Driving Me Wild, uh, a song that he does with Lily Allen, in which this ambition starts to overtake your life. You know, it's not good enough where I'm now. I want to be better. I want to move on. You jump through all these hoops and you realize you forget to really live your life. So up all night is what I called it because you're up all night thinking about this stuff, or at least I was. <laughs> you're such <laughs> a geek, God. You certainly together. are. All right, my mixtape for uh, 2007, starting off with The Shins' Phantom Limb on Sound Opinions. Again. 
Never in a today show. Be on the treadmill uh, like OK Go. Had a body or a body that you can't pay for. That means she has some D's on her, but they want fake though. How to drive from a drive for Rodeo. She spent pesos on those labels. Spin class at the gym, strip tees on the pole. She was so obsessed with her body and clothes. To every party she goes, trying hard to be chose. They say it's hard for a pimp, but extra hard for these us and people mad trying to get these scoops Chasing the actor for a Bentley coupe She recruited a ball player from the Clippers Then came the pumps off Thinking she number one when she was just a jump off Doing all she can for a man and a baby Driving herself crazy like the astronaut lady Is this thing now? It's Said they were the it, unbreakable like Bobby and Whit, or Ryan and Reese, or Kamara and Russ. Relationships can be dead, but look live to us. I guess we all been through it where we try too much, losing yourself and your line and stuff. Wishing for the diamond cups in search of a ring where love is not a mystery, it's everything. Those are the first few songs from my 2007 mixtape. You can find both my mixtape and Jim's in sequence, in order, streaming at soundopinions.org. Greg, what do we have on the show next week? Next week, Jim, we have Fiery Furnaces on the show, the brother and sister duo Matthew and Eleanor Friedberger, one of the best bands in America. Greg, we're closing another year here on Sound Opinions with our intrepid team of Todd Bachman, Jason Saldana, Robin Lynn, and intern Dave Mahler. But uh, the man who puts us on the air, our fearless leader, our executive producer, the Steve to our hip-hop-opotamus and rhinoceros, if you will, <laughs> is Tori Southside Malatia. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. Now it's time to hear what you have to say. New messages. Hey guys, this is Mike in Louisville, Kentucky. Just wanted to thank you for the amazing uh, Christmas show. It's 7.30 now. I've been up since uh, 4.30 this morning. I'm in retail, and I've been suffering through the Christmas season, and the show just really got me... In the right spirit, in the right frame of mind, especially the uh, Indians and White Man Christmas uh, song. The Indians got their tomahawks, rode in one big band. They were almost to a white man's house when they saw a man on a white sleigh he was riding, filled with toys and food. Just got me all choked up, so... Thanks for uh, everything. The shows are great. And, uh, man, you guys have just picked up my whole day. Thanks. And then I saw the reindeer, four big ones on each side. These the Indians knew would make good food for their tribe. Hi, Jim and Greg. This is Paco from San Juan, Puerto Rico. Guys, I just have to call and say thank you, thank you, thank you very much for your program. Uh, today's Christmas. I discovered you guys in iTunes and downloaded everything. Have listened to it back to back. And man, I've been passionate about music for 55 years, but you guys tops it. It's really, really great how you can go from uh, Betty Lavette to the Black Lips to uh, Joy Division. I'm learning and learning a lot listening to you guys. And man, keep it up. Uh, sound up. Sound it up. Bye, guys.
Hey, Greg and Jim, it's uh, Kevin from New Jersey calling. I, uh, I love the, uh, the podcast. I listen to the radio show on a podcast and thought that I would just do a real quick overview for you guys, sort of a review of the past year of Sound Opinions. First thing I wanted to do is the biggest misses that you guys had. You really missed the boat on both Springsteen and Amy Winehouse. Springsteen's new album is fantastic, and the live show is the best it's ever been. And I know that uh, Jim has uh, kind of a New Jersey-er-than-thou feeling about uh, Bruce, but uh, he's really missing the boat on that one. Similarly, you guys panned Amy Winehouse's record, and in spite of the fact that her tabloid adventures have become uh, bigger than the album, the album itself is fantastic. Uh, it's a mix of truly updated R&B and soul, and uh, she really sings uh, amazingly well in this record. It's, uh, it's worth checking out. Uh, the best interview of the year on Sound Opinions, and maybe the best interview I've heard ever on the radio, was the interview you guys did with Regine from Arcade Fire. It was fantastic. And uh, the thing that made it great, in my opinion, was the way that the editing uh, worked in clips from the music. So when she talked about the church organ on Intervention, you guys played a piece of Intervention. I thought I, something bad happened because I finished, and then the engineer, uh, Scott Coburn, like he wasn't looking, and... He was looking away, and, and I was like, oh, no. He was sort of looking at the machines, and I was like, oh, he didn't record, or something happened. And then he turned around, and he was like, oh, like, teary-eyed. <laughs> um, the, uh, the best listener call-in of the year was when uh, Bob Boylan from All Songs Considered called in. Hey there, this is Bob Boylan. I work at uh, NPR for a show called All Songs Considered. Uh, a couple of things. I thought you missed the mark on. Uh, it was like uh, the Laugh Olympics used to be on Saturday mornings where suddenly you'd have Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse uh, competing against each other. So two of my favorite podcasts uh, colliding. Uh, that was great. And the, the best scoop that you guys had of the year, I think, was that great Glenn Mercer record. I have not seen that reference anyplace else. And I stayed pretty much on top of the music press. And that is a fantastic album. Really reminiscent of some of the Feelies' best stuff and one of my favorite records of the year. So anyway, just wanted to say thank you guys and uh, looking forward to, uh, to another year of Sound Opinions. Thanks, guys. Bye. No more messages. To give us your opinion on Sound Opinions, call our hotline, 1-888-859-1800. We'll be back next week with sound opinions from Chicago Public Radio and American Public Media.